Where was your church? Where's, where was your church? This was a question a young Thai man asked me at the beginning of this year. His Thai name is Fo. Can you say it with me? Fo. We had spent the night playing together. We played badminton. And as the courts closed, as we ended our games, um, po, po saw, a foe saw me wearing my Christian shirt. And I think I remember the shirt, the name of the, the, name of the back of my shirt says, By His Wounds We Are Healed. So Fo ran to me and he asked me, P Tao. P is a Thai word for big brother. Can you say P? And Tao is my Thai nickname, which means turtle. I have no idea why they nicknamed me Turtle. <laughs> I just told them my name is Terrence. It starts with a T, and they said, oh, okay. We'll call you Tao for Turtle. <laughs> so he ran to me, and he said, P Tao, or Big Brother Terrence, are you a Christian? And I turned to him, and I said, yes. Yes, I am a Christian. I responded to him so proudly. But then he, then he went on to tell me the story of his Christian mother. Remember, he's, I don't know if I mentioned it, but he's Buddhist. But his mother was Christian. His mother went to church. He told me of the story of his Christian mother losing her battle to cancer. And he went on to tell me that no one from his church came to offer comfort and help. Thankfully, it wasn't the Nazarene church, but we, they bear the name Christian church, and we are a Christian church, aren't we? Amen? We are. Where was your church? He asked me. Where was your church? His words were so angry, and it literally like it felt someone punched me right on my gut. You know, like you come to someone, you're so proud, and suddenly they shut you down, they pop your balloon. That was the feeling. Where was your church? The church in Southeast Asia has had a long and difficult history. I don't know if you're familiar with Southeast Asia, but there's very briefly, uh, the countries that compose Southeast Asia, at least according to the Church of the Nazarene, is Thailand, Vietnam, Cambodia, Laos. Yeah, and sorry. Are we recorded, by the way? Oh, we are. Okay. <laughs> Pretend you didn't hear that. But um, yeah, so church, the church in South Asia has had a difficult, long history, a difficult history with genocides, wars, military uprising, communism, and now recently COVID. More than half of Southeast Asian people live in communities that are hostile to the gospel. Listen to this, leaving only 1% Christian. 1% Christian. 1% Christian. But in spite of everything that they went through, you know, in, in spite of anti-Christian propagandas, in, in spite of wars, in spite of a lot of things that they're going through, we're happy to report to you or to tell you that the church, your church, the Church of the Nazarene, has somehow taken root in this very very difficult soil. Southeast Asia 
right now is the fastest growing field in the church of the Nazarene. The fastest growing field in the church of the Nazarene. But still, the question remains for foe. Where is your church? Every night, the court, every night the court was open, I came back to that badminton club. That's what we call it. It's not the club that you have in mind. You know, we don't drink or any of that. Uh, we just play badminton. Every night, I would go back to that badminton club, hoping that I could see foe again. But days, weeks, months, and almost a year, he has not showed up. Where was the church? Does this work? Yes, okay. <laughs> Hello, good morning everyone. Um, I'm Ingrid and my husband Terrence. We are the Lustanias. Um, we have two babies in the nursery. I hope are not causing too much havoc. <laughs> And we are your missionaries to Southeast Asia. And I apologize, I cut my husband off a bit because Southeast Asia consists of five nations, Myanmar, Thailand, um, Cambodia, and two creative. creative access areas. We call nations where it's hostile to preach the gospel, we call them creative access areas because you need to be more creative to access that area. Mm. So um, when we, I mean, we came here two years ago, but we didn't speak. You were just passing through. And it just so happened that you guys had, uh, I think, a prayer service or something. And we just saw, hell, the church is open. We were invited just to come and look. And we came, and we talked to your pastor, and we talked to some of you guys. And it was, I'm, we were very shocked that we were invited to come to speak today. We're like, oh, they remember us? <laughs> we were just <laughs> passing by. And I have to say, I um, yesterday we went attended your trunk or treat. Maybe some of you guys saw us. We were the Terrence was the one chasing the little girl around the entire parking lot and inside. Mm -hmm. We had masks on. Terrence like we should go incognito so they don't know who we are. <laughs> um, uh, and it was by the way, this is Terrence's first Halloween ever. Um, yes. <laughs> he is from the Philippines, born and raised there. This is only his third time in the States. Mm -hmm. And I always forget that until he says something. And I'm like, what are you talking about? You know, like, oh, Ingrid, look, it's a squirrel. Can you believe it's a squirrel? And I'm like, yes. <laughs> uh, I keep, I forget it. Yeah, so, um, so if you don't know who we are, I think you guys have been hearing a little bit about us, but um, we work in the Southeast Asia field, like I've said before. We work usually in media, which is strange because we don't have a media presentation for you. Um, mostly because we work so much in media that we know how much technology is a headache. And with two kids going around the world, we're like, you know, that's one headache. We don't have to worry about this home assignment. So I apologize if you're hoping for some media. We decided let's bring it old school. <laughs> um, when we're not working in media, we work with the youth of our field. We work with something called NYI. Have you heard of it? Yeah. Great. Woo. Yes. Woo. Woo. <laughs> Nazarene Youth International. It's a part of the Church of the Nazarene that is focused on in, um, 
discipling young people and young leaders and empowering young people and emerging leaders. Um, we've been asked to be the field youth coordinators, which means that we are in charge of all the NYI leaders, um, just not really telling them what to do, but just accountability and to see, let's make the, the kingdom come. Um, when we're not working in the field, we uh, work at a badminton outreach. Terrence was, used to be a professional badminton player. Um, back in the Philippines, he was like national champion, ranked number seven in the country. So he's really good. I am not that good. <laughs> People always ask us if we play together. I said, he plays at me. <laughs> <laughs> Thailand, I know here in this country, badminton isn't that big of a deal. Um, I, when I, Terrence told me that he was a badminton player, and I was like, oh, wow, you know, so cool. Because I, I had to explain him that it's like a backyard sport here. But in Asia, it is very competitive. And shockingly, badminton is the second most popular sport in the world just behind soccer. Like, I didn't even know that. America is just like football. <laughs> That's all we care about. Um, and, uh, and, but in Asia, I mean, it's huge. And especially in Thailand, it's considered a national sport. Um, and even at 7-Eleven, you'll find badminton equipment sold. That's mm -hmm. how big it is. Can mm -hmm. you imagine that? So Terrence is the professional badminton player, and I am the professional bench warmer. I, uh, I usually bring Jubilee with me. Before I had Lucas, I would bring Jubilee with me to the courts. Mm -hmm. And, um, and uh, we would uh, minister to the other people waiting at the bench to play. Um, Jubilee, of course, so cute if you haven't seen her. She is kind of a firecracker. Um, but people are just attracted to her. And it gives us uh, a way to speak outside of the court, and Terrence gets to speak in the court. Mm. So it's been awesome. But I've had Lucas, and trying to hold an infant and chase a toddler has been challenging. So at the present moment, we are the caterers. <laughs> We make food and send it with Terrence so that he can feed the athletes. Yeah. <laughs> um, and that's been how we've been, uh, Jubilee and I and Lucas have been uh, support for this ministry. Mm. A lot has happened in if just the two years we've been in Thailand. We arrived October of 2019. And uh, December 2019, Jubilee was born. And then everything kind of went crazy, right? We all know what happened. Hmm. You know, and there was like a pandemic. I don't know if you heard about it, but there was also, we also had an election. We had wars starting on our side and wars ending. And there was just a lot of, a lot happened. A lot, a lot happened. And so we were thinking, how do we tell everything that's happened and, just a half an hour. <laughs> how, do we, how do we describe everything? You know, I, everything was happening all at once. I told Terrence, it's like 10 years of history just compacted into two years. It's like, how did this happen? At this point, if, you know, we saw the news right now and alert that aliens were coming, we would just be, oh, okay. It's just another day. <laughs> so 
Um, every month, though, we do send a monthly newsletter. This isn't just like a thing, hey, subscribe to our newsletter. But if you do like the stories we tell you, we tell these stories all the time in our newsletter. Every month we send something out. Um, that way you can always be on top if you want to hear more stories like the ones we're going to tell you today. Like Fo, maybe you'll hear an update about him. Um, and you can get it by getting one of our prayer cards. Um, let's see, sorry. <laughs> um, so when, when we were on coming to Thailand, we were told the first thing we have to do is a language study. You want to talk about that? Okay. Right, well, the first time we came to Thailand two years ago, um, and I think Pastor Mark and Billy knows this, and some of you probably know this, that one of the first priorities of missionaries is to learn how to cook Thai food, Pad Thai. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> part of that. But yes, that's part of it. Um, but one of the most, the priority of missionaries is to learn the language and adjust to the culture and the traditions and all that stuff. Um, by the way, that's why you see us barefoot because we're used to, in the sanctuary in Thailand, churches take off their shoes at churches. Yeah, people take off their shoes to, to attend church. So we're kind of used to this. So we're kind of bringing you the culture also, not that you don't know that, you probably know that already. Some of you probably take off your shoes before you go into your house. Um, but um, that, that was our first priority, is to learn the language and the culture. And it is very, very important. It is important that you connect with people in a deeper way. You know, and you can do that, you can achieve that by learning the language. Okay, so those were the first things that we did. Uh, those were our priority. But as we studied the culture and the language, people also told us, when we say people, our team, our church, our missionaries, told us that we need to be careful not to go around telling people that we are missionaries. They said, okay, don't go around telling people that you are missionaries. For Thai people... If it is not Thai, listen to this, it is not good. Okay? If it is not Thai, it is not good. They also have another saying that to be Thai is to be Buddhist. So their entire identity is connected or is, uh, I understand this, is found in Buddhism. But going back again, if it is not Thai, it is not good. They really believe that. And we were kind of like, okay, I, I bet not all of them, you know. But we invited uh, Thai friends over to our house one time. And so Ingrid prepared American food. And I prepared, as a Filipino, I prepared Filipino food. And here comes our Thai friends coming in. It's like so excited. Hello. So adikrap. So like, and all that stuff. And then time to eat. They go to our table. They look at our table. No Thai food? Can we order Thai food? And they did. And they really ordered Thai food. Really. We prepared hours and hours for, our, for the food so to welcome them, but nope, not good enough. Thai food. And they did, and they ordered, and you know, it was okay for us. You know, we are guests to this culture. Um, but that's, that's, that was our first experience of if it's not Thai, it is not good. And one of the reasons of that is that because Thai people, Thailand, are very, very proud people. They're really proud. I don't know if you've met a Thai person, I don't know, but Thailand is the only country in Southeast Asia to not be colonized. 
Have you watched the animated film, The King and I? That king is the Thai king responsible for them not being invaded by the English and the French. You can look up in Google or Wikipedia or wherever you can find your resource and they have a very interesting story of how the king prevented invasion into Thailand. And so they're very, very proud. They're, they're proud people. Thai means free, okay, if you, get, if you did not know. And so they're very, very proud people. And another thing that what I said is to be Thai is to be Buddhist. So if you are Thai, you're automatically Buddhist, okay? And so what does that mean? It means that becoming something else aside from Buddhism is wrong. Which means becoming a Christian is extremely difficult for Thai people. It's like asking them, if, you, if, you, if they come to church and they become Christian, it's like asking them to reject their entire identity, leave it behind, you know, something. or something like that. Okay? So most of our converts in Thailand, most of our converts, when they come to faith, most of the time they get disowned by their families and they get kicked out from their communities. Disowned by their families, and get kicked out from their community. We have a member in the church. She's one of the first ordained elders to be ordained in Thailand. And it's been 30 years now, and she still cannot freely visit her family. A few years ago, I think that was two years ago, her mother passed away. Her father passed away, I'm sorry. And she had to ask permission from her sister to even come and visit. Can you imagine that? And the sister wasn't even hesitant to have her over. Can you imagine that? Can you, can you just imagine that? And so it is extremely difficult. So that's why we were told that, okay, don't go around telling people that you're a missionary because missionaries have a bad reputation in Southeast Asia. The city of Los Angeles has about 13 million people. I don't know how big Spokane Valley is, by the way, is it called Spokane or Spokane? Spokane. Spokane. You were right. Somebody told us it's Spokane. Spokane. I was like, pecan, pecan. I don't understand. <laughs> <laughs> um, so L.A., because we, we arrived in L.A. and we were just kind of very shocked. We said, wow, this is, this is crazy. We found out that L.A. has 13 million people in it. And we found out that the LA district of the Church of the Nazarene has about 80 Nazarene churches in that district. And just with 13 million, they have about 80. And then I was like, I wonder how much Bangkok has. Bangkok has 11 million, almost as big as Los Angeles. That's how big Bangkok is. And we have four Nazarene churches. And one of those churches just left the denomination and became independent. Mm. We were told before we came that there was high spiritual warfare. Warfare, cannot mm -hmm. pronounce this word. <laughs> um, we were told that evangelism had a lot of challenges within specifically Thailand. Uh, we didn't understand it until we experienced it ourselves. Many people say they don't understand, you know, you hear, you hear us talking about Thailand and saying all this stuff, and it's not until you step into the country, and most people say their first night 
changes to you. That first night, I think everybody who comes in always experiences something spiritual. Mm. Like they'll have a nightmare. I remember somebody said that their TV remote flew across the room. I was like, we kept hearing it and we're like, oh, well that won't happen to us. But truly, it happened. And one of our teammates is currently ill with nobody can explain and the only thing people can say is it's probably spiritual. Mm. That's the reality of specifically, we're going to say Thailand. Sometimes we look at the Thai statistics, you know, 1% Christian, we say, they tell us don't say you're a missionary because they don't like it. They don't want you to change them. Um, we see spiritual happenings around and, and we get scared. Mm. <laughs> I think it's very easy to get scared, especially to talk about Jesus to these people because we want to become friends with them. We want to build these relationships so that we can introduce our other friend, Jesus, mm. right? But we also have this awareness that everyone keeps saying, it's not going to work, it's not going to work, it's not going to work. And that's what happened in our first few months of, in Thailand. Actually, just very quickly, like a few, few months ago, we, in our house, we put Jubilee up to sleep. We have a second floor. We put Jubilee up to sleep, and Ingrid and I were downstairs, and then suddenly we hear like uh, running, like footsteps, like doop, 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 like very, very loud. And we're like, Ingrid is like, I told Ingrid, okay, Ingrid, stay here, grab something, and go grab a knife. Okay, we're gonna go up together, very slowly. And we went up, you know, and there was nothing, it was clear, but then eventually later on, we found out that you know, just connected to spiritual warfare. We thought it was spiritual warfare, but then we realized it was just a rat the size of a kitten. <laughs> Whew. Aren't you glad? Or would you prefer spiritual warfare? Okay, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what you guys prefer. Well, it was over a year into our badminton outreach. We went to this one badminton club, and we're going to be very, very transparent with you. Um, because of what we heard, because of what we were told, we had very minimal conversations about Jesus. Okay, well, factor in on that is the language. Okay, we really couldn't talk yet. But then later on this year, we realized that, you know, it was now time to be on the offensive. Okay, that we needed to be aggressive. You know, the Holy Spirit told us that if we truly believe that Jesus Christ is alive, and that if we truly believe that the Holy Spirit is with us, and that Jesus goes ahead of us or before us, then we have nothing to fear. That was our realization. It's like, all right, I think, I think it's time now to do it. I mean, we have spent over a year now forming these friendships. Now we needed to trust the Holy Spirit. What does that mean? I, I was, we had this realization that, you know, we, we pictured out that if Jesus is truly alive, then he's gone ahead of us and that he's speaking to our Thai Buddhist friends. And we had this amazing picture. This picture really moved us because it felt so real. We had this picture that we see Jesus next to our Thai friends. But because he's spirit, it is our duty to tap them and say, hey, hey, hey. There's this guy named Jesus next to you. That was, that's how we pictured. And so every night, Ingrid would, before Ingrid would always pray, I mean, he's still, she still prays for me, but every night Ingrid would pray for me before I go to the badminton court. And her prayer before was, Lord, uh, help, 
Terence form these relationships, not just me. She told you she used to come with me. You know, help us form this relationship, help us to make friends, give us opportunity to invite them over to our house and feed them and all this stuff. But then when this realization came, our prayers drastically changed. We said, Lord, give us these opportunities to talk about you. Give us more opportunities to say the name of Jesus because in the name of Jesus, you know, <laughs> amazing things happen, miracles happen. Amen. And so one night, I had, I had a personal realization, and I was so excited to share it to Ingrid about this because we reflected on this, and we told Ingrid, I told Ingrid, I have this realization. I, I'm going to stop telling people that, we are te- that I'm a teacher because we used, we used to be part of the faculty of Southeast Asian Nazarene Bible College. And so I told her, I'm gonna st- I told her that I'm going to stop telling people I'm a teacher. And she said, like, okay. What are you going to tell them? And I said, I'm going to say, I'm going to tell them I'm a storyteller. And Ingrid was so skeptic. I said, okay, God, God bless you. Have fun. <laughs> so I was excited. This was, this was, I was excited to try this. And we do. We are storytellers, aren't we? We tell the story of Jesus. And so I went off to play, and I noticed that as I played my games, there was this young Thai man, Thai man watching me. And as I left the court, as the evening ended again, this guy came to me, and his name was Guide, okay? Guide, or Nong Guide. What was the Thai name for Big Brother again? Starts with a P, because it's P. <laughs> the Thai name, for, the Thai word for little brother is Nong. And so his name is Nong Guide, because his father is a tour guide, and so his father thought that guide would be a cool name, uh, nickname for his son. And so he came to me, he said, I was, I'm so impressed with the way you play. And he started asking me who I was, you know, where I came from, how I learned to play, and finally, what I do for a living. And I said, oh, I'm so glad you asked. I'm a storyteller. That's what I told him. And he said, a storyteller? What story do you tell? And I said, oh, I'm glad you asked. <laughs> I tell stories of Jesus. And I told him the story of Jesus in the form of a parable. I, I, my personal parable that I created at that time. And he really enjoyed it. He really enjoyed the story of Jesus because it reminded him of Rama 9, or that was their former king. They have a new king now. It was the father. This father was a beloved king. He was the people's king. He was a different kind of king according to Thai people. This was a king that would go down to the ground and plant with the people. You can see pictures. If you go to Thailand, if you've ever been to Thailand, you'll see the king's picture all over the place. They'll tell you they have a king right there on your face, like huge billboard of their king. And, but this king, they had pictures of this king like sweating. They have this picture of this king playing badminton. You have this picture of this king holding a camera. He was just multi-talented. He was so compassionate. He was for the people. But I told them, oh, I'm glad that you're, you've connected the two, Rama 9 and Jesus. But let me tell you something. The big difference between your king and Jesus is that Jesus was not only a king. He was a king. I mean, he is a king. But he was also a servant. I said, Jesus did not wait for people to come and serve him. He went to people to wash their feet. He went to people to serve them. 
And here's the final thing that separates Jesus from everyone. And I said, you can even look at your whatever book text you read in Buddhism. You can look at this and not Buddha, not Allah, not any other king has ever done this. And this is what made Jesus different. I said, it's that only Jesus is the only king, the only God, which he is the only true God. But he's the only king that has laid down his life for his people. Who has ever done that? No one. Only Jesus has sacrificed his life for his people. No one else, not Allah, not Buddha, not any other king in the history of this world has given his life to his people. And Nongaid was really impressed. But at, at the courts, as the courts, as the club was closing, we had to leave our conversation. But the next time the court was open, I got out of my car and Right there, Nungai was waiting for me, waiting to eager to talk to me. And he was eager to talk to me about the book that he's reading. And I asked him, so what book are you reading? He said he's reading a book about business and investments. And from this time on, I was, we were just like full on Nungai. We said, we're going we're gonna to tell him about Jesus. And so we, we, I would try to, to, how to say this, move the conversation from the original topic to about Jesus. And so he was talking about, he said he's reading about a book on investments in business. And I told him, well, I'm reading a book myself. It's also about investments. The only difference is you don't lose money. Actually, you profit almost eternally. And so right there and then, I, we had a Bible study about tre storing treasures in heaven rather than on earth. And every time he would, he would, every time I would go to the badminton court and he would tell me about Anything or that he's reading or doing, we would always divert it back to Jesus. But unfortunately, just as we were getting deeper into the Word of God, COVID started, courts started closing down, and it is yet to reopen. But even if it has opened a few weeks ago, Nungai's parents won't let him come to the badminton court anymore. And so we are yet to see Nungai. And we are constantly praying for him. We're constantly communicating to him. And so we hope to return to Thailand in, in a few months and hope to see Nungai again and continue to plant and nurture the seed that we have planted in his heart. Um, I don't know. Can you hear me? Jesus calls us to take risks. Mm. He was known for kind of redefining everything. Mm. You know, he said, he would always say, you've heard it said, but I tell you something like that. Mm. You could see it all the time in the scripture. Where everyone's thinking that Jesus was going to come as a military leader and he came as a baby in a manger. <laughs> Terence and I, we were reading a story of Peter walking on the water, hmm. Jesus walking on the water, and we couldn't get this out of our head. We're thinking, maybe God is trying to tell us something with this. And we always hear this walking on the water story about, you know, having enough faith, you know, taking a risk and having faith. But as we read it, we, we heard Jesus telling us something else. So we know the story, I hope, is uh, that 
you know, the disciples are on the boat. They see a, a figure in the water. They think it's a ghost. Jesus says, no, it's me. And Peter says, Lord, if it's you, call me out. Mm. And Jesus says, come, come on down. Mm. You know, you're on the price is right. And, <laughs> and Peter, he gets out of the boat. He starts walking until he sees the wind and the waves, and then he starts to sink. And we have to remember something. Peter is a fisherman. Mm. He doesn't just sink. He knows how to, how to live on the boat. He knows how to live in the ocean. You know? He knows how to swim. And so for him to be sinking and drowning and having to call out for Christ for help, that's saying a lot of what, how bad it would, must have been. And I love the scripture, it says immediately, when, when, when Peter called out, Jesus, save me, immediately Jesus saves him, takes him out. And they get back on the boat, and depending on your translation, Jesus says, ye of little faith, why did you doubt? And we, like I said, we read this and we say it's about taking risk and having faith. And, and then sometimes when you do take a risk in real life and it doesn't work out, some people, like my mom, would say, oh, it's because you didn't have faith. You needed to believe in God more. But I was reading, Peter has been with Jesus nearly every single day for years at this point. Peter has been seeing in front of his eyes, lepers getting healed, paralyzed people walking, water turning into wine. He was seeing blind people being able to see in deaf hearing. He was able to see people come back to life. He was able to see people getting uh, no, demons pulled out of them. In his very eyes, he could see this. Hmm. He could see Jesus doing this and Jesus saying, you can do this too. Nobody believed in Peter more than Jesus. So I'll be honest with you, I don't think he sank because he lacked faith in Christ. He sank because he lacked faith in himself. Mm. And what is Peter, I mean, what is Jesus doing in this story? They're back on the boat, Peter's soaking wet, probably coughing up salt water or, or some, something, you know, and and we think Jesus is like, has his finger out and saying, ye of little faith, why did you doubt? But let's imagine being Christ now. Seeing one of your best friends. You don't just spend every day with somebody for years and not become friends and have a brother-like relationship with that person. He, you see the person that you've said, I'm going to build my church on this guy. You've helped him, you know, get you know, uh, do miracles, teaching him, showing him, man, you could do this stuff too. And he says, Jesus, you call me, I'm going to come. You said, come, you come, let's go, let's do this. And then you see your friend and you have this pride. You're like, yes, he's doing it. And all of a sudden you see him starting to sink and you're like, oh no. You know, and you go and you reach him and you get back on the boat. And how are you feeling? few weeks before we arrived here, my daughter Jubilee, running as she usually does, just goes back and forth. 
and she likes to eat. She doesn't like to eat sitting down. She wants to eat running. And we say, no, you need to sit. You always have to strap her in to sit and eat. And one time she was done eating. At least we thought she was. She was running. She found some food that she had thrown on the floor, ate it, run, started to choke, like truly choking, no air coming in and out. And I took her. I did the child CPR like that. And uh, the thing came out of her, her mouth, and she threw up. And as any parent would, you're feeling terrified, right? And also relief, and also anger, and also sadness. And there's so many emotions in that moment. And I was holding Jubilee's shoulders. I was like, why did you do that? <laughs> I told you, you can't play and eat at the same time. We tell you all the time, really. And I could see Jesus doing the same thing, and he's holding Peter's shoulders, and he said, why? Why did you do that, Peter? I told you you could do these things. I told you you could do what I'm doing. In my name, you can do anything. Why did you doubt? When we say to walk on water, we say it means to take a risk. But perhaps we may also need not just have faith in God to do these things, but also have confidence. And we look at these Thai statistics, and we look at our field NYI, which we would probably talk to you about later, but not now. But we, we see all these issues and challenges and tasks, and we say, God, we're just two people. We just, we just had, we have two babies. We, we, how can we do this? And we felt God speaking to us through Peter's experience saying, did I not call you out here? Why are you doubting? Before we came to the United States, um, I played my last game of badminton. And as, as I packed my bags, as I was getting ready to leave, we have another Thai friend whom we've been reaching out he saw me leave, and so he ran to me, and he, he said his goodbyes, and then he turned to our group manager. We have a group, and we have a leader, and his name is Mr. A, and this Thai friend said that, um, Pitao, please tell Mr. A why you are going to America, okay? And so when he said this, the people that he was playing with, so badminton, you play two against two, so there were three other people. He left the court. The three other people heard this, overheard this, and so they turned, they dropped their rackets, and they ran to where I was with Mr. A. Okay? And so our group goes up to, I think, 40 a night, and so also there were people sitting on their chairs waiting for their games. They also overheard this. You know, when you go to America, I don't know if you often hear this, but an Asian, yeah, going to America is big, you know, and so it's a big deal. And so these people that were waiting, so I was actually, the table was in the middle, and there were chairs, there were chairs, there were courts, and so the three people came, the people who were sitting on the side, they overheard this, they turned their chair to listen. And in Mr. A, we have music every time we play our matches, he went to the stereo and turned down the music. And so here are people, this is the table. I mean, here I was, and here are three people. There are people here, maybe 20 plus people. And then our Thai friend was there, and the court was silent. 
Why are you going to America? They said. Well, I said, I need to go and tell stories. And they said, what stories? They asked. I said, well, stories about my friends, about you. Imagine I go to, like, I don't know, Pastor Mark, we just met, and I told Pastor Mark, Pastor Mark, by the way, I'm going to Canada to tell people stories about you. How would you feel? So that was their faces. They were like, what, stories about us? <laughs> you know, and so stories about us? So they looked confused. And so right there, out of panic, because I was caught on the spot, out of panic, I said, well, and I can't believe I said this, I said, well, my job is really to tell stories because I'm a missionary. And one of them said, missionary? What is that? And I was like, oh, okay, it's this group. Who is this group that does not have an idea what a missionary is? So there was a sort of a relief there. And so I said, I went on, I said, I tell stories about Jesus. And one of them said, well, you never told us about Jesus. And I said, that's true, but I shared Jesus to you in a different way. And when I come back, I told them, when I come back, I will tell you what I mean. There's this southern lingo that I heard where Ingrid is from, from Florida, and now she's turning around. I love this. Right there at that moment, I was sweating like a sinner in church. You know? <laughs> I was in front of these people, I was caught on the spot, and I was so nervous, and I was starting to think, oh Lord, what have I done? Why did I say the M word? Was that the right thing to do? Or are you trying to tell me to do something miraculous here? Should I just go ahead and lay my hands on them? Should I grab a bucket of water and just baptize them all? It's like, come on, to Jesus, you know? And I was so nervous. There were so many things going on in my head, but to be honest, I was just standing there stiff. And our group leader, Mr. A, he went to the table. And by the way, I haven't told you that in this group, you have to buy six sets of tokens. And every time you play a match, you give a token or a coin. And so right there, I was standing, I was stiff, everyone was quiet, there was murmurs all over, probably wondering, you know, and I was here like, oh Lord, I have, I have, we've built these friendships and relationships and it looks like I messed this up. But Mr. A gets up, he takes up one coin, I finished all my coins that evening. He picks up one coin, he comes to me and he says, okay, Pitao, here's one more coin. Come back to us. You have one more game to play. After I received that coin from Mr. A, the group began to disperse. And as people walked away, I saw a familiar figure walking towards me. We have a big group, and I can hear your mouth saying the name. And this guy comes up to me and says, Hello, Pitao. It's been a while. Safe travels on your way to America. And I said, Hello, foe. Wow, it's been a year. I'll definitely come back, and we'll spend more time together. The word of the Lord says in Zechariah 9.12, Return to your fortress, you prisoners of hope. Even now I announce that I will restore twice as much to you. Again, return to your fortress, you prisoners of hope. Even now I announce that I will restore twice as much to you. 
We look forward to going back to Southeast Asia. We look forward to going back to Thailand. There are souls, there's friends waiting. And right now, we would like to invite you to come with us. We always tell our churches every time we visit that don't look, us, look at us as different. Look at us as an extension of your ministry. We're not Terrence and Ingrid. We're part of the Nazarene Church. And I would say we're part now of Spokane Valley. Isn't that right? And you are sending us. You are commissioning us just as you do the work here, which, by the way, you guys are doing incredible. And we've heard from Pastor Mark yesterday of the ministry that you're doing. And that's so encouraging. And we need that every time we come here. And we're part of this journey. You guys are doing amazing. Now we ask you to send us back so we can do our ministry there in Southeast Asia. It looks impossible. 94% Buddhists, but with God, nothing is impossible. With God, that 94% can come to His throne of grace. With God, together with you, with the Spirit, and Jesus going ahead of us, we can bring our Thai Buddhist friends to the truth. The truth that Jesus is God. The truth that Jesus is the one and only true king. The truth that only in Jesus they can find true peace. They can find true meaning and purpose in their life. And so my question again, will you send us? Will you come with us? Please join us as we do our work together there in Southeast Asia. Can we pray real quick? Lord, thank you for Spokane Valley. Thank you for Pastor Mark and Pastor Billy and Miss Barbara and her team and the leaders and the elders of this church for um, leading the church in the ministry. And thank you for this opportunity where we get to share, oh God, your stories back there in Southeast Asia. Yes, it's not that typical missionary story of like coming here and saying we've baptized 200 people, you know, and we've put up this church and this school and this building. It's kind of a different story, a little bit personal. But Lord... These are real people, and these are real people hurting. These are real people in pain, confused. These are real people in need of Jesus. And you said, oh God, in the scripture, Lord, that you will leave the 99 just so you can get one. And Lord, that's what we're doing. We're going to get one. We're going to get a foe. We're going to get a guide. We're going to get Mr. A. And Lord, and when they do come to you, the heavens will rejoice. This church will rejoice. It will be a celebration up there in heaven and here on earth, and we look forward to that. Thank you so much, oh God, for what you have been doing, what you are currently doing, and what you are going to do in and through our church. We're so glad to be part of this family. So glad, oh God. Thank you so much for this opportunity and for this time. We bring back all the glory and honor to you. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Terrence and Ingrid, thank you so much. Aren't you grateful for them, Bay? You know, I was thinking as, as they were, were sharing with us today, we just finished our Reach the Valley series, Reach Our Valley series last week. And one of the questions we asked each time is, what is God asking me to do? What is God calling me to do? And as Terrence and Ingrid were sharing, they, they talked about trusting in the Holy Spirit and how the Holy Spirit goes before. And thank you for sharing some of those ways that the Holy Spirit is going before you in your ministry in Southeast Asia. 
And I was just reminded that the same Holy Spirit who goes before Terence and Ingrid in Southeast Asia is also the Holy Spirit who goes before you and me, right? So as God calls us to reach out to those around us, we don't go alone. God goes with us. So what is God asking me to do? I would just encourage you to pray. Uh, pray for, for the Lustanas and for their ministry there. They have prayer cards that you can pick up on your way out today. Pray for them. And continue to pray for the people around us that we have an opportunity to interact with. You know, one of the things we're doing today, too, is faith promise. One of the things we can also do is to give. We talked about the love offering. If you want to, to bless their family, you can just mark something for the Lustanas or missionaries, and we'll get that to them just to bless them. But you can also give to our, our faith promise offering. That's the insert that was in your bulletin. You know, we, we give regularly. Your regular tithes and offerings go to support the ministries we see here all the time. But do you also know your regular tithes and offerings, we regularly reinvest probably 10 to 15% of the monies that come in here directly into other things outside of our building. And that's not even counting the extra money that you give to missions. That goes above and beyond to support the missionary work of the Church of the Nazarene around the world. So when you give to support missions, that goes directly to help make things like this possible. And so what we would just ask you to do, we've been talking about this for a few weeks now, we would just ask you to pray and ask God what God would lead you to do to give towards missions. Beyond your regular giving, what would God lead you to give towards missions? And we believe that if God asks you to do something, that God's going to make a way for that to be possible. Amen? And so then as God provides, we just ask you to be faithful to that. So thank you again for joining us today. They're going to be sharing with our teens today, and I think they might be out here in the foyer for a little bit. But uh, let's, let's pray. And then as we go today, our worship team is, is going to sing a song as we leave, reminding us that our hope is alive because our hope is in Jesus. Amen. Lord, we thank you today for this opportunity we've had to worship you. We thank you that you are alive and moving across your world. And Lord, it's a joy and privilege to be a part of what you are doing. And so God, we just pray that, that you would go with us, that you would help us, that you would lead us, and that your love and grace would continue to be made known, not only here in Spokane Valley, but around the world. We ask all these things in your name. Amen. As you go today, go in the hope that we have in our risen Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Days may be darkest, but your light is greater. You light our way, God, you light our way. When evil is rising, you're rising.